0: Hello to anyone listening, this is part 4 of Rule by Secrecy by Jim Mars. I am starting off on page 83, the Royal Institute of International Affairs Roundtables. So let's just dig right in and then I'll uh, start commenting on some of these uh, topics. The agendas and methods of modern American secret societies did not originate in America, but were imports from secret societies that had dominated Europe for centuries. Returning to the 1919 meeting in Paris, which led to the creation of the Council on Foreign Relations, it must be noted that the Council was merely an American branch of proposed Institute of International Affairs. The English branch retained the original name, being known as the Royal Institute of International Affairs, R.I.I.A. Like the CFR, creation of the institute was instigated by Woodrow Wilson, advisor Colonel House, bankers Warburg and Baruch, and other members of House, House's inquiry group of internationalists. The RII RIIA was built upon an existing secret society, the Round Table Groups, established around 1910 by the trust of English diamond magnate Cecil Rhodes. Uh, One thing to note, if you notice a lot of these groups start off as one specific group and then they're converted to something else. Uh, The uh united nations was the league of nations if i remember correctly and uh being a nerd that i am growing up with comic books and uh all different types of uh superheroes there is uh traces of that as well the uh <laughs> to nerd out a little bit watchmen were a group of uh, superheroes that were the second group the titans the um uh, Greek mythology. They were first the Titans, and then the the modern gods. Uh, the even Christianity has the Father and uh, the newer rendition, the Son, the Jesus Christ figure. Uh, w- there was uh, the one we just read, the uh, the Fed. It seems that there was a group before that that are. Uh, 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 some sort of structure that was built before the Fed and ultimately became the Fed. So I don't know if this is to shake off any, um, how would you say, any preconceived notions of what this group is or what their aims are, but it's very interesting to know that they do things like this, that they present a specific group and then it is completely reformed and changed into what it is uh, known for after after the fact, after the law has been passed and the group has been created. Author Donald Gibson explained these creations thusly. The Royal Institute had been created in 1919 to perpetuate British power in the world and it helped create the Council on Foreign Relations as part of an effort to link England's upper class and its foreign policy interests to those of the United States. This view is echoed by author Ike who wrote the so-called special relationship between Britain and America is, in fact, the relationship between the RIIA and the Council on Foreign Relations. The RIIA settled in Chatham House, Chatham? Chatham House located in London's St. James Square, just across from the home of a wealthy Astor family. British foreign policy is frequently said to emanate from the Catham House. Chatham, Chatham. Uh, leading the creation of the R.I.I.A. was Lionel Curtis, a veteran of South Africa's Boer War, who became secretary of to Sir Al- Alfred Milner, Britain's High Commission Commissioner in South Africa. Curtis had been one of the bright young proteges of Milner, known as Milner's kindergarten. He has been described as a British public administrator and author, advocate of British imperial federalism and of a world state who had considerable influence on the development of commonwealth nations. He was chiefly responsible for replacing the term British Empire with commonwealth. Milner, an ardent imperialist educated at Oxford and New new College provoked the Boer War in 1899 to 1902 by his rigid attitudes and in victory gained British control over South Africa's diamond mines and good portion of its gold supply. It was no coincidence that Milner became a principal trustee of the estate of Cecil Rhodes, the diamond tycoon of South Africa. Cecil Rhodes, more than any other person, provided the impetuous to form several secret societies including the RIIA and the CFR beginning with his round table groups. Uh, If you look into the uh, diamond stagnants, diamond, is that the word? Uh, The diamond group, the, um, the, uh, ah, jeez, do bears, there is quite a bit of evidence that there was a lot of propaganda in the truest sense of the word the uh, guy that developed it was actually instrumental in in finding a way to have people buy this rock that was found in abundance all around the world so what they essentially do is that they control the supply of it and in that way they can control the cost of what they sell those diamonds for this is something that it's still uh, instilled today in um, everything from the media telling you that the diamond that you own is something that should last forever that this is a way that you show your love for someone that you buy a diamond that costs you a couple months worth of salary and uh, in this way it's almost like a tax on uh, whatever it is that that the amount that you make at your job this is almost like a portion of your job rather than saying this diamond is is valuable. Well, it's valuable depending on how much you make every year. Uh, And not only that, but you tell somebody that a diamond is forever and that the emotions that you have for a certain person are attached to that piece of rock and you'll never get rid of it. You'll never pawn the ring. You'll never give it away to somebody else, um, with exception, of course. But for the most part, these are gifts and uh, a jewelry, accessories that you will never part with uh, or often uh, I mean ideally for what they're trying to do you would never get rid of it and in this way you can control the market even more because you don't have diamonds out there that have been uh, handed down from person to person or sold from one to another. They are just uh, sitting in the market as soon as they're sold they're just off the market and then they can count that as uh, something that is uh, non-existent so that they can control the supply and of the, uh, the profit. Um, getting back in, professor, professor Carol Quigley, a prominent historian, professor of the history at the Foreign Service School of Georgetown University and President Clinton's academic mentor, explained the Rhodes Scholarship Clinton received one are known to everyone what is not so widely known is that Rhodes, and five previous wills left his fortune to f- form a secret society which was to devote itself to the preservation and expansion of the british empire and what does not seem to be known to anyone is that the secret society continues to exist to this day since quigley and many others identified the round table groups as the ancestor of the modern secret societies it would indicate a closer look be given to Cecil Rhodes, his trustee Lord Milner, and their viewpoints. Next section here is Rhodes and Ruskin. Uh, Cecil Rhodes pops up quite a bit when you start to investigate uh, different groups like this. And uh, if you go into even Alex Jones, Alex Jones has great information, but it is very necessary to take things with a grain of salt when you're uh, following his Uh, information. It uh, has a tendency to get you very irate and uh, put you on edge, which is a very dangerous thing when you have authorities um, demanding that you uh, follow certain type of rules. So it will, uh, how would you say, it would perpetuate uh, very unhealthy debates with authority. And ultimately that would lead to you getting beat up by the police or thrown in jail. Uh, obviously, fulfilling the idea that the government is out to get you, and that uh, the jackbooted thugs are just ready, right outside your door, to kick it and throw you into a concentration camp uh, or a FEMA camp, as they call it. Uh, but he has very good information. I, I believe the two documentaries that are very good by him are um, Endgame and uh, I'm blanking. Uh, Police State Four. I believe those two are my favorite documentaries by him but again if you decide to watch any of these wash your mind after this Uh, I don't know go watch a movie go listen to some music spend some time with some friends Uh, clear your mind of the feelings that you get when you watch these documentaries because they are very doom and gloom and they do project this feeling of of, uh, entrapment and uh, helplessness okay so rhodes and ruskin cecil rhodes the progenitor of the modern secret societies and his academic mentor john ruskin carried on a physical physio- philosophical tradition which can be traced to ancient greece and beyond others who followed this tradition included socialist pioneers karl marx and frederick engels born in 1853 rhodes son of the vicar of bishop stanford was steeped in religious concept from an early age. In eighteen seventy nine he joined a brothers He joined a brother who was operating in South Africa's cotton farm. Both brothers soon succumbed to the lure of diamond prospecting. After some initial succeeding finding after some initial success finding diamonds, road Formed formed the D Beers Consolidated Mines Limited Named after the Nicholas De Beer's family mining claims he claimed he acquired, for eight years Rhodes divided his time between mining in Kimberley, South Africa, and studies at Oxford, where he fell under the spell of fine arts professor John Ruskin. The son of a prosperous wine merchant, Ruskin had departed from the mainstream thinking to the extent that one biographer described his as an awkward awkwardly difficult, lonely life, often pursued and struck at by madness. Given to frequent <laughs> masturbation and ni- nif- nipholepsy, nipolis- a frantic fondness for underage girls, Ruskin nevertheless failed to consummate his marriage to 19-year-old F- Effie Gray in 1848. Six years later, still a virgin, She had the marriage annulled, a shocking development in those times. Uh, This is something that I've heard about before. When you marry, if you don't... um, What is the term? I just read it. If you don't consummate your marriage, it is not official. Uh, This is something that, while it sounds kind of ridiculous, as far as I know, it is true that uh, the best man's original Uh, job was to actually hold back the family from uh, preventing the groom from marrying the woman. The groom would essentially kidnap a woman, marry her, and then consummate the marriage. And the best man's job was to keep maybe the brothers in the family away from the groom, have him consummate the marriage, and to either witness it or to uh, stand a witness to saying that, yes, the marriage has been consummated, it is official. Uh, and apparently, by this statement, it seems that it is uh, a legit claim, that if you do not consummate the marriage, the, uh, the license can be annulled. Uh, wa- Ruskin was an ardent student of King James Version of the Bible, but eventually gave up his belief in God. John Ruskin, the man who inspired Cecil Rhodes, Alfred Milner, and those who formed the Round Table Secret Society, was himself influenced by esoteric writings from Greek philosopher Plato, and by Madame Blavatsky, founder of the Occult Theosophic Society. Theosophy Society, the books of Lord Edward Bulwer-Lytton, and Secret Societies of the Mold of the Order of the Golden Dawn, wrote author Icke. This is uh, the um, Theosophy Society, Theosophic Society, is actually another thing that uh, was taught to uh, the Beatles. And you'll see that uh, Aleister Crowley is on the cover on... Uh, i blanking on the name, but it's, it's the album cover that has all the Beatles dressed up in very colorful uniforms like a marching band. There's a ton of people on that cover and one of them is Aleister Crowley. This is uh, almost like a uh, dark secret society uh, as how it's presented and they learned a lot about uh, controlling people and manipulation. Uh, you, If you get into the Beatles and start to uncover these type of Uh, Links, you'll find that it quickly starts to get very uh, ethereal. They uh, claim to be communicating with beings from other realms. And uh, at the very least, it seems that they understood human understanding of the world and how the mind works and using that to their advantage to uh, present certain ideas to the public uh, such as psychedelic exploration like uh, acid and uh, many other um, substances that alter your mind and uh, you'll uh, notice that shortly after they started being involved with these type of groups their music started to change into more psychedelic uh, yellow submarine and more things that sounded Uh, clouded and um, uh, there's just a bombardment of hidden messages in their music from that point forward. Uh, Not by mistake, of course. Um, Ruskin, who reportedly read Plato's Republic every day and and embraced Plato's concept of the perfect society being one that had structure imposed from centralized leadership, a ruling class downward. Marx and Engels, the founder of modern communism, also were students of Plato and echoed Ruskin's views. Advocating tight central control over the state, either by a dictator or a special ruling class, Ruskin proclaimed, My continual aim has been to show the eternal superiority of some men to others, sometimes even of one man to all others. According to Quigley, Rhodes was so stirred by Ruskin's philosophies that he copied one of his Oxford lectures in longhand and kept it with him for thirty years. Michael Bagand and Richard Ley, authors of The Temple and the Lodge, showed that Rhodes was active in British Freemasonry, which involved him with other prominent 19th-century persons such as the royals George IV and William IV as well as Lord Randolph Churchill, Winston's father, Marcus of Salisbury, author Conan Doyle, Ruddard, Kipling, and Oscar Wilde. This group's preoccupation with philosophies of Plato, Ruskin, and other theosophists, Madame Blavatsky, coined with the idea of Freemasonry. With the aid of of a close friend, German diamond merchant Alfred Bate, Rhodes expanded his diamond company until. Rhodes expanded his diamond company until 1891. De Beers owned 90% of the world's diamond production. In the mid 1890s, Rhodes founded the Ni- Diamond Syndicate, forerunner of today's central selling organization, which controls almost 80% of the worldwide diamond trade. He also gained large control over rapidly developing trans gold mines with ever-expanding wealth, Rhodes' dream also grew to include plans for railroad from South America to Cairo and expanding the British Empire to include that century-long dream of reclaiming the American colonies. As with the Morgans and Rockefellers behind Rhodes, we find the vast power of the Rothschild family. They were financiers to Cecil Rhodes, making it possible for him to establish a monopoly over the diamond fields in South Africa," wrote Arthur Griffin. They are still connected with the De Beers. In November of 1997, when Baron Edmund Adolf Maurice Jules Jacques de Rothschild died at the age, at age 71, from epil- emphysema in. Geneva, it was reported that he left substantial holdings in the De Beers Consolidated Mines of South Africa Lending support for a leadership between Rhodes and the Rothschilds was author and former British intelligence officer officer Dr. John Coleman who wrote Rhodes was the principal agent for for the Rothschilds who disposed the South African Boers of their birthright, the gold and diamonds that they lay beneath their soil According to Coleman, Rhodes' first roundtable group was established in South Africa with funding from the British Rothschild family to train business leaders loyal to Britain in many ways to maintain control over the country's wealth. The idea of the Rothschild's funding behind Rhodes also was supported by the author Frank Adalet, who wrote an American Rhodes Scholarship in 1888, Rhodes made his third will, leaving everything to Lord, Roth, Lord Rothschild. The round tables started out as a collection of semi-secret groups formed along the lines of the Illuminati and the Fre- and Freemasonry with inner and outer circles and a pyramid hierarchy. The inner circle was called the circle of initiates or the elect, while the outer circle was called the associates of the helpers. Two members of Rhodes' inner circle of initiates were British financiers Lord Victor Rothschild and Lord Milner. Rhodes called his secret society the Round Table after the legendary meeting of King Arthur. It should be noted that the Arthurian legend concerning the Holy Grail is closely connected connected to the controversial notion of continuing bloodline from Jesus. The sang- sangreal and royal blood which shall be discussed later. Uh, that gets into the uh... Uh, angels and demons, and um, uh, what is the first one? Um, but it, it is presented with uh fictitional characters, and it, it's very glamorized when it's presented into a movie. But a lot of these groups are true, and while it does sound uh kind of odd to say that they're Illuminati and Freemasonry, um, again. Uh, let me reiterate that I, in, in my opinion the Illuminati is just a uh, a group, a name for a group that uh, it almost uh, blows up in your face. It reverses and it kind of paints you as a conspiracy theorist uh, just by using the term Illuminati. Uh, when Freemasonry, excuse me, Freemasonry is a group that is all over the world. You can go pretty much to any developed country anywhere in the world and you'll find uh, Masonic temples. And not only that, but the majority of people that have either power or wealth anywhere in the world are often found to be uh, Freemasons. So I I don't know that the Illuminati is really even operating today or anything like that. Uh, It seems that Freemasonry is uh, kind of protected by uh, being claimed to have been infiltrated by this group called Illuminati, uh, which uh, evidence does point that it did exist, but I don't know really how much of this was um, uh, how would you say um, orchestrated or written after the fact. Coleman wrote that armed with immense wealth gained from control of gold, diamond, and drugs, roundtablers found out fanned out throughout the world to take control of fiscal and monetary policies and political leadership in all countries where they operated. Setting an example for today's interlocking corporate dictatorships and tech-exempt foundations, the roundtable itself consists of a maze of companies, institutions, banks, educational establishments, which in itself would take qualified insurance actuaries a year to sort out, according to Coleman. While some might dismiss Coleman as a conspiracy theorist, they would not say the same for Dr. Quigley. There does exist, and has existed for a generation, an international Anglophile network which operates to some extent in the way the radical right believes the Communist Act confirmed Quigley. I know of the operations of this network because I have studied it for 20 years and was permitted for two years in the early 1960s to examine its papers and secret records. I have no aversion to it or to most of its aims, and have, for much of my life, been close to it and to many of its instruments. In general, my chief difference of opinion is that wishes is that it wishes to remain unknown, and I believe its role in history is significant enough to be known." Quigley's words were, were echoed by authors Walachinsky and Wallace who wrote from Rhodes' Will. It called for the establishment, promotion and development of a secret society, a true aim and object whereof shall be the extension of the British rule throughout the world to include the ultimate recovery of the United States of America in 1890 queen victoria impressed with his imperialistic views named rhodes prime minister of africa's cape colony upon his death from heart disease in 1902 rhodes reputation as an inflexible business and politician was softened businessman and politician was softened by the news of his generous scheme to provide scholarship to oxford for promise promising young men though rhodes was praised for an prohibiting the disqualification of applicants on the basis of race. It is clear he remained a product of his time since he once affirmed his desire for equal rights for every white man. wrote This is funny because it's something like what uh, Abraham Lincoln was quoted saying. Uh, so uh, if you've never been to my site, uh check it out. I have uh, reviews of the books that... Um, let me think. De Lorenzo. Thomas, uh, Thomas I, I forget his middle initial, but it's Thomas Di Lorenzo. Uh, the books are called Lincoln Unmasked and The Real Lincoln. Uh, he has quite a bit of quotes that he himself looked up in archives and uh, different documents to prove basically that uh, Abraham Lincoln was quite a racist and uh, very biased in his views even though he was half black himself. Uh, uh, So that's robertlego.org or his books, uh, Thomas, I believe it's T.D., Thomas D. DeLorenzo. Just look up Lincoln and you'll find both his books. They're both very good. The shorter one is a lot easier of a read, and then the bigger one has uh, a lot more information. Uh, So depending on how much time you want to invest, Uh, And if not, just go robertlego.org and look up those posts that I did. I uh, believe I did some audios and I read some of the quotes from the books. Uh, Rhodes himself was thought to have been a member of a covert group known as the Olympians after the Greek gods. According to author Coleman, this was merely another name for the globalists he termed the Committee of 300. Additionally, Rhodes was thought to have been connected to the secretive and mysterious Luminati as well most probably throughout his masonic connections quigley identified rhodes secret society in the plural as the round table groups which had added branches and seven nations by 1915 though created by curtis and others found funding for the society came principally from rhodes followers and lord milner since 1925, there have been subta- substantial contributions from wealthy individuals and from foundations and firms associated with the International Banking Fraternity, especially the Carnegie, Carnegie United Kingdom Trust and other organizations associated with J.P. Morgan, the Rockefellers, and Whitney and Whitney families, Quigley added not mentioning the, road, the Rothschilds by name. With Rhodes, Death, Milner, Rothschild and their international bankers associates gained complete control over the roundtables, which began expanding far beyond the British Empire. Professor Quigley explained at the end of the war of 1914, it became clear that the organization of this roundtable system had to be greatly extended. Lionel Curtis was called upon to establish the Royal Institute of International Affairs as an umbrella organization for the roundtable groups. Quigley saw the goals of these groups, the chief aim of which apparently was to form the world nations into one English-speaking entity, so as to maintain peace and bring both stability and prosperity to underdeveloping areas, as as largely commendable. In a great irony, the roundtable organizations which professed world peace as a primary goal may have directly led to the development of the atomic bomb. During its expansion period, the Roundtable established many splinter organizations, one of which was Institute for Advanced Study (IAS) in Princeton, New Jersey. This was the American copy of All Souls College at Oxford, according to Quigley. The IAS was funded liberally by the Rockefeller General Education Board. It was here that the scientists working on the atom atom bomb were assisted by IAS member Robert Oppenheimer, Niels Bohr, and Albert Einstein. For all that, Quigley wrote admiringly, there are gracious and cultured gentlemen of somewhat limited social experience who were much concerned with the freedom of expression of minorities and the rule of law for all. Other writers have not been so complimentary. Journalist, journalist William T. Still, in his book, New World Order, the ancient plan of secret societies, wrote of the centuries-old plan of secret societies to wrench the Constitution from the citizens of the United States. Yeah. Uh, I feel that this is another uh, another trap, another rabbit hole that you can fall into when you're quoting the Constitution and the rights that it gives you and everything. While uh, sometimes I, I feel that it would be essential and uh, uh what's his website uh this guy um uh, hang on let me pause this okay i had to pause that for a minute uh mark stevens his uh book the one i bought was adventures in legal Land*. i know that he has another one and i believe it's called government indicted uh both his books are are very uh easy to read and they Uh, give you tools for defending yourself in court Uh, and he explains law in a way that uh, a layman can understand and uh, he avoids legal speak and and the language that is used to confuse us when we go into uh, court to defend ourselves Um, so yeah check him out, he has a website and he does a podcast as well, just look up Mark Stevens and you'll find it uh, Rhodes committed the same error made by so many humanitarians before him, Author William, wrote author William Bramley. He thought that he could accomplish his goals throughout the channels of the corrupt Brotherhood network. Rhodes, therefore, ended up creating institutions which promptly fell into the hands of those who effectively used those institutions to oppress the human race. But it was not only roundtable organizations, which allowed America's wealthy and powerful to mingle and converse. In certain circles, there were fraternal connections throughout much more secret groups, such as the ominous Order of Skull and Bones. Uh, I would be wary of statements like this, uh, not because I'm doubting anybody in specific, but it seems to me that whenever you get into hero worship, there's very... Uh, often times a lot of manipulation to make you feel that somebody was standing up for the common man. And in the end, you can see that they had controlled the opposition. Uh, If you look up that term, you'll find tons and tons of information showing you the evidence for this. Uh, A lot of times it's a very smart tactic to try to seem uh, opposing of a a certain ideal and then in the end it is revealed to show that the uh, group itself was orchestrated by the person that was opposing it so what better way to um, have somebody talk about something than by pretending to be against it uh, the last audio that I did w- about the Fed shows this in the uh, voting scam that they did with uh, let me go back real quick the Democrat Wilson and the Republican Taft. They brought in Theodore Teddy Roosevelt and in essence did a manipulation of the voting system by taking votes away from the guy that they didn't want to become president and ultimately uh, passing or uh, voting in uh, as president somebody that they wanted from the beginning. So Uh, In other words, they controlled the opposition and then, in the end, led the people in the way that they wanted. Uh, That was part four of the Rule by Secrecy audios that I've done, Uh, if you care to listen to it. uh, And beware that that one is very dense and difficult to read. I probably needed a little more sleep to get through that one, but uh, I apologize in advance because it's a little tough to read. Uh, And if not, just pick up this book, Rule by Secrecy, Jim Mars. It's a Uh, Probably one of my favorite books on the subject, because it is uh, very uh, uh, informative. Okay, so digging right into Skull and Bones. Skull and Bones, a highly secretive fraternal order, apparently only found at Yale University has been the source of an unprecedented number of government officials who have furthered the globalist aims of their brethren in other covert groups, according to researchers. Members of the CFR, when accused of being involved in a conspiracy, have protested to the contrary, and by a large, they are right," wrote conspiracy researcher and author Anthony C. Sutton, Most CFR members are not involved in a conspiracy and have no knowledge of any conspiracy. However, there is a group within the Council on Foreign Relations which belongs to a secret society sworn to secrecy and which more or less controls the CFR. Members have included extremely powerful men such as Henry Stimson, Secretary of War under President Franklin D. Roosevelt, and described as a man at the heart of the heart of the American ruling class, U.S. Ambassador to Russia Everell Harriman, publisher Henry Luce, and J. Richard Dilworth, a longtime manager of the Rockefeller fortune. Henry Luce pops out because, if I'm not mistaken, he's connected to the Kennedy assassination and the uh, um, the the film. Um, the film that, that shows Kennedy uh, supposedly being shot. Um, he is uh, very involved in uh, the culture creation and a lot of the uh, programming that went on around that time. If you care to follow more about that, uh, Jan Irving of Gnostic Media uh, covers quite a bit of this. And uh, he, uh, you'll, you'll find uh, quite a bit of research uh, involving uh, Henry Luce. According to Sutton and others, this secret society is the American chapter of an early German secret organization known known variously as Chapter 322, the Brotherhood of Death, or the Order. This group is most popularly known as Skull and Bones, or simply Bones. Uh, Real quick, Skull and Bones is said to originate in, in the address and The reason why I came across this, this number popped up, is the double numbers. You'll notice that it's chapter 322. I know that 3 is uh, very, not to get too uh, numerologist on you, but uh, 3 is uh, very uh, common for many different reasons. I believe that there is uh, a lot of... uh, hidden beliefs in why that number is very popular. But you'll notice 2-2, there's a double number again, just like 9-11. And uh, the reason why I came across the address of the Skull and Bones uh, origin, the place where they would meet, was that I came across the number 44. And for some reason, that number kept popping up in uh, media, I believe Tower Heist, uh, when he's spewing out just random numbers he mentioned 44 and then uh, uh, around when I heard that I had been reading quite a bit of different uh, groups and, and societies that uh, used the number 44 and the uh, skull and bones I don't know if it's a telling number for them, but their address is at uh, 44 uh, whatever Street, I don't remember exactly, but uh just uh, wanted to let let you know of the double numbers in most of these societies. Okay getting back in uh, the American chapter of the order was funded at Yale University in 1832 by William General William Huntington Russell and Alfonso Taft. Taft who would become Secretary of War in 1876 and U.S. Attorney General an ambassador to Russia, was the father of William Howard Taft, the only person to serve as both President and Chief Justice of the United States. Russell would go on to become a member of the Connecticut Legislature. His family was at the center of the Russell, of Russell and Company, a firm controlled by some of Boston's finest blue blood families. That were enriched first by the slave trade and then by opium smuggling in the early nineteenth century. Some researchers believe this unsavory background explained the pirate symbol of skull and crossbones adopted as the order's insignia, an emblem originally used as the flag of the old Knights Templar. According to Sutton, the order was brought from Germany to Yale by Russell, whose cousin Samuel Russell was an integral integral part of the British Empire opium wars in China. Um, (laughs) Another rabbit hole that'll uh, trap you for a while. Uh, uh, The opium wars. um, Quite a dark time to be behind something so dangerous and uh, would cause so much death and suffering. Uh, So just look up the opium wars. This is fairly publicly known uh, of what the British Empire was behind and how they um, benefited from this conflict. A pamphlet detailing an 1876 investigation by a rival secret society of Skull and Bones headquarters at Yale known as the Tomb stated its former Russell was in Germany before senior year and formed a warm friendship with a leading member of a German society. He brought back with him to college authority to found a chapter here thus was bones founded the secret german society may have been none other than mysterious and infamous luminati ron rosenbaum one of the few journalists to take a serious look at skull and bones took note that the official skull and bones emblem of the order was also the official crest of the luminati in an investigative piece of esquire magazine rosenbaum wrote I do seem to have come across def- definite if skeletal links between the origins of bone's rituals and those of the notorious Bavarian Illuminists, who did have a real historical existence from 1776 to 1785. They were an esoteric society, a secret society with the most the more mystical free-thinking lodges of German Freemasonry. Author Ike agreed with that the Order was merely the Illuminati in disguise. The symbolism of its initiation ceremony ceremony would appear to indicate at least close links with Freemasonry, he added. Masonic emblems, symbols, and German slogan, even the layout of their initiation room, all are identical to those found in Masonic lodges in Germany associated with the Illuminati. Considering the nefarious background of its founders and the families, author Webster Griffin Tarpley and Anton Chaitin Chaitin, uh, warned, the background to Skull and Bones is a story of opium and empire and a bitter struggle for political control over the new U.S. Republic. Whatever its inception, Skull and Bones was officially incorporated as the Russell Trust in 1856. The order conducted annual meetings at the club site on New York's St. Lawrence River named Deer Island. The misspelling was at the request of its donor, Bones member George D. Miller. While undoubtedly the permanent secret club, Skull and Bones is not the only one, according to Tarpley and and Chatkin. Uh, Princeton has its eating clubs especially Ivy Club and Cottage Club, whose oligarchical traditions runs from Jonathan Edwards and Aaron Burr through the Doles Brothers. At Harvard, there is ultra blue blood porcelain known as the Pork or Pig Club. Theodore Roosevelt bragged to the German Kaiser of his membership there. Franklin D. Roosevelt was a member of the slightly lower Fry Club. Other secret clubs exist at Yale. Wolf's Head and Scroll and Key to name two. Uh, (laughs) Notice that we never even hear of those two other clubs. And as stated by Rosenbaum, anyone in the Eastern establishment who does not belong to Skull and Bones almost assuredly belongs to one of these other groups, but no other group has the demonstrable blood and wealth connection of the Skull and Bones. Each year, only 15 Yale Juniors are selected to participate in a Skull and Bones during their senior year. In addition to extraordinary secrecy, Bones members are required to leave the room if anyone should mention the group. The Order has its own membership designations. Neophile members are called Knights after the fashion of earlier secret societies such as the Knights Templar, the Knights of Malta, or the Knights of St. John. Once a full member, he is known as a patriarch, one honored as a founding father. Outsiders are derogatorily referred to as Gentiles or Vandals. Uh, (laughs) Same term used by the Jewish to uh, call us the Gentiles. Author Sutton noted that active membership in Skull and Bones comes from a core group of perhaps 20 to 30 families, First, we find old-line American families who arrived on the East Coast in the 17th century. Whitley, Lord, Phelps, Wadsworth, Allen, Bundy, Adams, and so on, he wrote. Second, we find families who acquired wealth in the last 100 years and sent their son to Yale and in the time became almost old-line families, example, Harriman, Rockefeller, Payne, Davison. Ike wrote that these families exhibited an old world concern for their heritage and bloodlines. He said they utilize arranged marriages to protect or advance the genetic lines of their pseudo-blue bloods who own the origins of their inherited wealth and influence to drug running, slavery and carefully chosen marriage partners. These intermingled families helped and support each other in their quest for financial, political and genetic dominance. You get the feeling there's a lot of intermarriage among these bone families, Rosenbaum agreed. Year after year, there will be a Whitney Townsend Phelps in the same Bones class as Phelps Townsend Whitney. In fact, one could make a half-serious case that functionally Bones served as a kind of ongoing and establishment eugenics pro- project, bringing vigorous new genes into bloodlines of the Stimsonian elite. Nepotism runs deep in the order as seen in in the fact that modern finances of Russell Trust were handed by John B. Maiden, Jr., a partner of the Brown Brother Harriman, formed by the merger of the Brown Brothers and Company and W.A. Harriman and Company in 1933. There's another double number. And 33 is uh, the one of the highest, uh, claimed to be the highest number of the uh, masonry. Uh, Madden stated there in the 1940s, working under senior partner Prescott Bush, father of former President George Bush, all of them members of Skull and Bones. A more recent example of members fiercely loyal was shown in the 1980s scandal of President's Bush connection with the criminal activity in the Bank of Credit and Commerce International, BCCI. As the bank's Illegal activities came to light, involving many prominent names attempts were made by the Bush administration to block or blunt any meaningful investigation. Finally, a former investigation of the BCCI was launched by the Senate Foreign Relations Committee on Terrorism, Narcotic and International Operations, headed by Massachusetts Senator John Kerry. Kerry was the chairman of the Democratic State Campaign Committee which had received significant BCCI contributions, and he was also a member of Skull and Bones. The kerry led investigation uh, foundered. Jack Blum, a special counsel to Kerry's committee, stated, I propose a serious investigation of BCCI and was brushed aside. A high level of cover-up of everything concerning BCCI was set into place after customs stumbled across their money laundering operation in Miami, and it's still in place. Uh, This is something that comes up when you talk about reinvestigating anything from the uh, Kennedy assassination all the way to 9-11. When you say reinvestigate 9-11, in essence, what you would really do is you would just give more money to the people that or behind it, or at the very least that would be willing to protect whatever secrets lie inside it. So in other words, an investigation doesn't do anything because the people that are investigating are people uh, that are in the know, Uh, and nothing will come of that. Uh, It it would need to be an independent investigation that would need to be done so that it's not biased one way or another. Uh, the interest of both the Morgans and the Rockefellers were well represented in the Order. The member Percy Rockefeller tied to the Order of Standard Oil Properties, while a number of Morgan men showed up on the roll of Skull and Bones. While J.P. Morgan was not a bonesman, Harold Stanley, the Order of 1908, joined Morgan's Guarantee Trust Banking Firm in 1915 and eventually became a Morgan partner and president of the combined Morgan Stanley & Company. W. Averley Harriman, the Order of nineteen thirteen, was a board member of the Guarantee Trust. H. P. Whitney, the Order of eighteen ninety four, and his father, W. C. Whitney, the Order of eighteen sixty three, were both directors of Guarantee Trust. The flow of financial power was not always channeled through direct membership in Skull and Bones. The Order controls the substantial wealth of Andrew, Andrew Carnegie. But no Carnegie has ever been a member of the order, wrote Arthur Sutton. The order used the Ford wealth so fragrantly flagrantly against the wishes of the Ford family that two Fords resigned from the boards of the Ford Foundation. No Ford has been a member of the Order. The name Morgan never appeared on the membership list, although some of the Morgan partners are with the inner core. For example, For example, partner Harold Stanley of Morgan and Stanley Company, the son of Henry P. Davidson and John Perkins. Oh, John Perkins. John Perkins, if it's the same Perkins, this is the guy that wrote Confessions of an Economic Hitman, where he claims that he went around the world and offered loans that no country would be able to repay. uh, And ultimately, because of the interest rate, uh, forced the countries to, in essence, just give away all their natural resources. Uh, if this is the same John Perkins, uh, it, it's very uh, interesting, very shocking. Um, Mick George Bundy, the Order of 1940, was president of the Ford... Oh, am I missing a page? Oh of the Ford Foundation from 1966 to 1979. During the early to mid-1960s, Bundy served as a national security advisor to both President John F. Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson. At the same time, his brother William Bundy, the Order of 1939, who had been with the CIA, served as Assistant Secretary of State from East Asia and Pacific Affairs. Many other illustrious names can be connected to Skull & Bones, such as Lowe, Forbes, College, Delano, Taft, Stimston, and others. Prominent recent bonesmen include President George Bush, the Order of 1949, William Bissell, the Order of 1925, whose brother Richard Bissell became deputy director of plans for the CIA. Anthony Howell Bradford, the Order of 1943, who married Carol Warburg Rothschild in 1941 and soon became general manager of the New York Times. Henry Luce, the Order of 1919, who became head of the powerful and influential Luce publishing empire which included Time and Life magazine and William F. Buckley, the Order of Nineteen Fifty, a nationally syndicated conservative communist columnist. Author Tarpley and Chatkin did not see all this as a harmless college fraternity. The present century owes such of its records of horrors to the influential Anglophile American families which came to dominate and employ the Skull and Bones Society as a political recruiting agency, particularly the Harriman, Whitney's, Vanderbilt's, Rockefeller's, and their lawyers, the Lords and Taft's and Bundy's, they commented. Other researchers see Skull and Bones as the epicenter of New World Order control. The Order has been called the stepping stone to the Council on Foreign Relations, Bilderberg's, and the Trilateral Commission notice these terms they're very Masonic to say it's a stepping stone uh, when you graduate they give you a mortar board that you put on your head then the tassel uh, which has been associated uh, with um, uh, something sexual I want to say it was uh, and I'm not trying to be graphic here but as far as I, I remember researching the tassel symbolizes a flaccid penis and the a uh, mortar board that you wear when you graduate is uh, nothing more than a Masonic mortar board that is used for building this uh, empire. Uh, so a lot of this is kind of connected. You'll notice that the uh, so-called Luminati symbolism, the uncapped pyramid, uh, this is all having to do with Masonry. Uh, you become one of the uh, mortar boards that is utilized to create this structure this uh, Masonic, uh, in in the sense of masonry, um, to build this uh, control system. Yeah, so stepping stone. Uh, After remaining the order's influence and control at the areas of foreign policy, finance, education, and religion, Christian author and publisher Tex Mars urged the order of skulls and uh, skull and bones must be unmasked for what it is a great and present danger to our freedoms and our uh, constitutional rights. Uh, Tex Mars has a very fun book to go through where, uh, he uncovers a lot of the symbology between the, all the different groups, the different handshakes and a lot of the, um, ways of operation between these groups. Um, It's kind of a fun read, but uh, again, if you're not really going to use that information, it is quite useless, uh, unless you are planning to uh, talk about these type of groups, or you're just doing it for fun. Uh, You probably don't want to invest too much time in these uh, types of uh, books. Rosenbaum, in a possible explanation of the Order's sinister trappings, wrote that it was simply due to an impressionable young Russell who just stumbled onto the same mother load of pseudo-Masonic mummery as the luminous. Although perhaps some sarcasm, he also voiced the possibility that the Eastern establishment is the democratic creation of the clandestine elite manipulating history, and Skull and Bones is one of the recruiting centers. Rosenbaum also wrote, he saw Skull and Bones in a headlong decline, and in recent years it has become a more lackadaisical, hedonistic, comfort, comfortable, comfortable, even said some. Decadent group. Jeez, let me reread that. Rosenbaum also wrote he saw skull and bones in a headlong decline, and in recent years it has become a more lackadaisical, hedonistic, comfortable. Even said, even said some decadent group. Uh. Uh, Controversy concerning the order surfaced during the 1980s presidential election. Former U.S. Labor Party National Chairman Lyndon H. LaRouche began an independent bid for the presidency. In the New Hampshire primary election, LaRouche attacked Republican candidate George Bush for his affiliation with the order, stating, Skull and Bones is no mere fraternity, no special alumni, alumni association, and added mumbo-jumbo. It is very serious, very decadent cult conspiracy against the U.S. Constitution. Like the Cambridge Apostles, the initiate of the Skull and Bones is a dedicated agent of the British secret intelligence for life. Many observers believe that the revelations of the Bush connections to Skull and Bones, the CFR and the Trilateral Commission, cost him the New Hampshire primary and eventually the presidency of 1980. The order has either set up or penetrated just about every significant research, policy, and opinion-making organization in the United States Declaration, declared Sutton. There are indications Sutton may be correct. One of the most thought-thorough investigations of institutional stockholders ever conducted was a 1980 study of the Senate Committee governmental affairs entitled structure of corporate concentration its conclusion as reported by author donald gibson was to the point financial institutions part of the extensive interrelated with the morgan rockefeller complex are the dominant force in the economy after studying this report gibson wrote the board of directors of morgan included individuals serving on the board of 31 of the top 100 firms. Citicorp was tied to 49 top companies and Chase Manhattan, Chemical Bank, and Metropolitan Life each had 24 other top companies represented 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 on their boards. These and multitude of other overlapping among the top 100 per, firms provide a dense network of relationship, reinforcement, reinforced by frequent ties through private clubs, educational backgrounds, marriages, and membership in organizations such as the Council on Foreign Relations, Skull and Bones, the Trilateral Commission, and the Business Council. Gibson also noted that at least two Morgan Rockefeller institutions were among the top six stockholders in AT&T, General Motors, DuPont, Exxon, General Electric, IBM, United Technologies, and Union Pacific. As with other secret societies, many telltale connections between Skull and Bones and the CIA are discernible. In addition to the aforementioned Bush, Bundy and Bissell, other Bonesmen who became CIA officials included Director of Personnel F. Truby Davidson, the order of 1918; Beirut CIA Station Chief James Buckley, the order of 44; Rhodes Scholar and Deputy Director from Plans Hugh Cunningham, the order of 1934 and poet Archbald MacLeese, the Order of 1915, who helped Office and Strategic Services, OSS, William Donovan from the CIA in the late 1940s. Yale has influenced the Central Intelligence Agency more than any other university, giving the CIA the atmosphere of clash reunion, stated Yale history professor Gladys Smith Rosenbaum made a point of mentioning that Yale slang for a secret society member is spook, the same term used in the CIA for an undercover operative. Yet the CIA is only one of the numerous U.S. government alphabetical offices, which many charge are, which merit, let me start over, Yet the CIA is only one of the numerous U.S. government alphabet offices which many charge are used as agents of change and control along with dozens and dozens of front organization, foundation, think tanks, and study groups created and or financed by the secret societies. Many researchers claim such private organizations were actually created by a leading secret society members okay it's perfect to stop here uh this next group is gonna be tax-exempt foundations and alphabet agencies uh that's gonna be part six on rule by secrecy by jim mars uh i quoted a couple things uh documentaries some uh, by alex jones the police state four and endgame documentaries, but they will have you a bit paranoid by the end. So take those with a grain of salt. I mentioned Jon Irving's Gnostic Media and um, uh, Mark Stevens. Uh, he has a podcast, a website, and uh, two books that I know of. A uh, very smart guy and very uh, easy to follow in his information and his, uh, his uh, speaking. Uh, so if you're enjoying this, uh, keep it up. Come back for uh, part six where I'll get into tax-exempt foundations and alphabet agencies. I'm doing a little bit better with reading these. Uh, they are quite dense, but uh, it's, it's going to be worth it in the end. Uh, it keeps getting deeper and deeper and the connections keep uh, expanding farther and farther out to show you the amount of control that goes throughout all of these. Uh, so go to my site robert lego.org uh, to find all the other audios or go to talk i should have all of them listed there as well uh, you can just download them all and, and listen to them uh, if you're not that involved in all this type of research i would recommend that you just look at the titles and choose whatever uh, groups and whatever terms you're interested in learning about, uh, because it is quite dense and there's tons of information in this book. So it might be a little bit heavy and uh, a bit of a challenge to follow. If you were to uh, go through each and every audio one by one, I would recommend that you just uh, nitpick if if you're not that involved in uh, secret societies. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I will continue and I will hopefully get through the whole book. I'm not even halfway through, so uh, hopefully I can... uh, I'm probably about a quarter of the way through, so I can only imagine how many more audios it's going to take. But it's going to be fun nonetheless, and I will continue to throw in uh, more information that I've come across and uh, give you more places to uh, find even more information on what it is that Jim Mars was uh, um, stating in his book. So please come back, uh, nitpick, uh, I mean, mean, pick and choose whatever subjects you're interested in as far as these audios on the Rule by Secrecy book. Uh, This was part five. So stay tuned for part six that I should be uploading uh, in a few weeks or so. So thank you very much for making it this far. And let's continue digging into Rule by Secrecy by Jim Mars. Thank you very much